This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. The May corn contract is up two and a half cents at 322 per bushel. Wheat futures are narrowly mixed on Friday. Japan purchased 4.9 million bushels of U.S., Australian, and Canadian wheat overnight. Taiwan also issued a tender for 8.1 million bushels of U.S. milling wheat for delivery in June and July. Chicago May is down two cents at 5.27 per bushel. Kansas City May wheat is up one and a half cents at 4.78, and Minneapolis spring wheat is up a fraction of a cent at 5.06 per bushel. That's a look at the ice futures and Chicago markets for Friday morning, April 17th. For Markets Farm in Winnipeg, I'm Marlo Glass. Spring is here, and the drive is on for savings. Get up and running today during New Holland's Spring Drive sales event from Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John. Find great deals and special savings featuring 0% financing and cashback offers on New Holland tractors, from compacts to high-horsepower models and everything in between. Save on select New Holland hay tools, too. Call Butler Farm Equipment at 250-785-1800 today, because just like spring, Spring Drive savings won't last long. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Welcome to Moose Talks on this uh, Friday. There we go. <laughs> Friday, April 17th. I'm Dub Craig, as the intro said. Uh, coming up in a bit, we're going to talk to Jessica Coleman with the uh, Fort St. John Literacy Society about what they do there and uh, the Imagination Library Program. Uh, they need some funding for it, but we're going to talk about what it is and uh, why uh, they need some more funding in just a bit. To start, though, we're going to be talking with Stephen Petrucci, the uh, superintendent of School District 60, Peace River North, who joins me now. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Terrific, Dub. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And thank you for taking some time to talk to us today. So, uh, of course, uh, things are very different at School District 60 than they were even a month, month and a half ago, as now uh, all the delivery is kind of distant uh, for students and staff and parents because of all the uh, social distancing measures put in uh, place because of COVID-19. Why don't we start with this? How prepared was the district and the BC education system in general, if you can speak to that, uh, for a transition like this to distance learning for everybody? Yeah, it's a good question, Dub. Uh, You know, everyone's kind of in the same boat across the province. And that transition, by the way, continues Uh as information changes every day, uh, both medically and in terms of the expectations from the education sector. But as soon as this sort of uh, came to us uh, near the beginning of March and heading just before spring break, we uh, we spent uh, those those two weeks of spring break as a senior staff and with operations, basically coming up with a number of plans, and those you know sort of in order of priority were our pandemic plan in terms of our safety and how to to deal with some of our facilities and cleaning and that sort of thing, as well as a continuity of operations plan and the continuity of learning plan, and so that sort of set the stage for us in, in mid March to be able to then work with the rest of our staff and our schools 
to implement, uh, you know, some continuity of learning. Um, you know, right from the beginning, though, the priority was to ensure that our facilities were safe, that there was a cleaning regimen in, in place, and then we moved ahead with plans for uh, trying to support our healthcare workers and emergency responders with some supervision of, of children, and that's been going on uh, this week as well. I mean, was there any sort of plan in place from before where you'd even considered what things would look like if, say, a pandemic like this had happened? Or, or was this something you guys kind of had to come up with basically from the ground up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the entire globe uh, mm-hmm. was taken by surprise. And, and, you know, we're no expert. We're not the experts in the medical field and in the science field, and so those people continue to advise us on on a daily basis as to how to appropriately respond that way. But what I will say is that School District 60 always had an excellent infrastructure in place in terms of our technology and the creative ways with which our teachers and our support staff uh, were working with students and families already. For example, every student in the district has a, uh, a Learn60 Gmail account, uh-huh. which gives them access to kind of the Google tools. And uh, in many ways, particularly at the middle and secondary level, but also even in our grade six uh, uh, program, they were accessing technology and submitting assignments electronically, doing all kinds of different things. So in that regard, we were well prepared in some areas to move forward with some kind of continuity of learning. I see. Uh, now, you'd mentioned this already. Uh, the transition's kind of an ongoing process still, but we're about, um, I'd say, a month into it or so. Uh, can you speak to how it's been so far for the district? Uh, what have you heard from staff, students, and parents about the transition? Yeah, good question. I mean, you know, first of all, I should have started with a big shout out to our staff, and that's from everyone, uh, you know, from operations to administrators to teachers, support staff, custodial, bus drivers, EAs. I don't want to leave anyone out, but but everyone really has stepped up. And so the response has been overwhelming, and we continue to get examples of some really creative ways in which our schools are connecting with families at this time. Obviously, everyone's in a bit of a different place, and, you know, some fear and anxiety is out there, I think, in every organization, including ours. Um, But in terms of this transition and ongoing information, we stay in daily and weekly contact with the public health office and continue to get advised that way and act accordingly. Um, So that that transition continues, and uh, we're now sort of, I think we've set up fairly well some of our remote learning ideas and connections with families. And by the way, in some of our more rural locations, we've had some low-tech solutions, including delivering supplies, uh, you know, and, and connecting with the families that way as far as resources and activities. Um, and then you may have heard, of course, that uh, our schools are also continuing to provide some of those supports for our vulnerable students and families that we did when they were in session in terms of some food and uh, some other uh, support and we're going to be ramping that up a bit more in the in the next couple of weeks now uh, i'm kind of throwing this at you without any preparation so you may not be able to answer but uh beforehand you obviously had students who were doing some distance learning learning by correspondence do you know roughly what percentage of students were already kind of doing that before the pandemic hit yeah, you're definitely testing me there, but, but <laughs> what I will say is that, uh, you know, 
we had many students taking some courses uh, by what you call correspondence. It's kind of more of a blended learning model now in our mm-hmm. school district, but they may take, for example, one or two courses through distance ed and take the rest of their course load on site in their school. So some of that was definitely happening. We do have a smaller core uh, of students for a variety of reasons, their location, their personal interests and choices, who do do their full programming through our key learning center. Mm-hmm. And that's located, as you know, just beside where Bo's there. And so that those programs continue sort of without interruption. And in fact, you know, the staff there, uh, you know, Norbert and Sean and their teachers there, they've sort of helped us a bit as well with this transition and with some ideas uh, of how to support teachers, support staff in that technology and in connecting with, with families. And by the way, uh, you know, we've set up a recording studio at the Key Learning Center, and we've started some book readings there with sort of a green screen in the background where the kids can listen to a live storytelling each morning at 10 Mm o'clock, and we'll be recording all kinds of other things as well. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, and we've been showing those on our energeticcity.ca Facebook page if you want to ever uh, check it out, by the way. Uh, I wanted to uh, touch on this just because it... Was it a matter of when the the pandemic hit and you were like, okay, what are we going to do? And those discussions were happening. Was it a matter of taking some of the things or all of the things you were already doing with those students who were already, for one reason or another, required to learn from home most of the time or all the time and just rolling it out on a mass scale? Or were there other considerations you had to make because of just the nature of suddenly it's not a small percentage of the student population in school district 60 but all of them that are going to be learning that way? Yeah, no, <clears throat> it's a good question. To be clear, business it's not business as usual at mm-hmm. all. And so from the beginning, uh, while we have good infrastructure in place and many of these connections were already happening, the reality is, is that <clears throat> both the expectations of the school system and, quite frankly, from the families and parents is that we really need to be in tune with what is possible uh, to be done through a remote learning environment. In other words, really just focusing on those main areas, some literacy, some numeracy, uh, the main learning outcomes perhaps at secondary level. And there is absolutely no expectation or desire to think that we're gonna be delivering all of the regular course material that was done in the past. It's really more about keeping the connection going and focusing in on the most important and big ideas that they were working with. Okay. What are some of the challenges you've uh, faced so far in the process of delivery? I mean, you've talked about rural students, uh, about internet uh, being kind of an issue because not everyone has it, and it's a little more of an iffy connection in some rural areas, uh, especially given that uh, sort of the sort of overarching idea for how this would be done came from the BC Education Ministry, which was maybe only responding to the vast majority of student needs that are all in, say, the Lower Mainland, where it's a city, where these sort of things are a lot more reasonably accessed. Has there been lots of challenges kind of making that fit in a school district like School District 60 that has so many rural students? Yeah, you know, I think I'll I'll go back to, while we certainly have some pockets where they don't have the same access perhaps for internet, but but I think you'd be surprised at sort of the saturation of uh, both internet access as well as technology devices and uh, again our district in many regards is you know ahead of several uh, 
southern districts or metro districts in that way. Um, and where we do have challenges, you know, we've come up with some low-tech solutions. Our, our bus drivers are helping out in terms of delivering some supplies and really connecting with the parents in different ways. I'm not saying it's not a challenge, but uh, again, we had some good infrastructure that, that helped. In terms of other challenges, you know, I think like anyone, it's, it's getting through uh, some of the stress and anxiety related to the pandemic itself. Um, you know, we're in essential services we're trying to provide uh, as good a service as we can, but also understanding that many of our employees face individual situations. They're supporting families at home. Uh, they may themselves be dealing with some medical situations that don't lend itself to going outside of the home. So some of those logistical challenges are probably more prominent than the technology problems. Uh, speaking of logistical challenges, and as you say, uh, staff uh, having their own kind of individual situations and challenges they have to deal with. Um, how much of a problem or concern are do you have with uh, consistency among classes, among grades, among schools even, in, in how they're delivering uh, the education through this way? Is that, has that been an ongoing issue or something you're kind of really concerned about? Or have you heard any kind of feedback on that? Yeah, I'm glad, glad you asked the question. I think uh, we're still in the early stages, Dub, in terms of you know connecting and really rolling out what we'll call programming, I guess. Um, you know, there's some basic guidelines, but I, I'll just reiterate that it's not business as usual. We're not expecting five hours of instruction. I think um, initially, you know, there was a lot of creativity and a lot of enthusiasm, and, and I, I think there were probably a few families where uh, you know, facing a lot of Zoom calls in the first few days there, and we're we're sort of trying to better coordinate that, uh, work with the families with what's reasonable. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, it's really just about maintaining that contact. And there, we don't have a specific number of hours or uh, criteria. And I guess if there's any expectation, it's you know to let the public know that it will be inconsistent. But what will be uh, sort of consistent across the system is the contact with their teacher, the contact with the school, and the ability to continue on those most important areas as possible. And given that people are now at home and they're with their parents, I mean, home can be a distracting place for a lot of students. Have you had any issues with participation? Has it been harder to get students and parents to buy into their child's education now that everyone's at home? They're sharing one space for school for work, for kind of family activities when, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, however you want to put it, they're used to these being car compartmentalized in different places, kind of even in their community. Has that been a problem? Well, I'm not sure. It's it's definitely a challenge. It's different. We're, this is a new reality. And quite frankly, Dub, I'm not really sure. I don't think anything will be completely the same, mm -hmm. uh, you know, further on, in fact. Um, so we're, we're adjusting as we go. It's probably too early to tell in terms of specific situations. What I can say is that our connection with families and students has virtually been 100% in, in the first two weeks here. Um, but obviously some of those concerns will emerge in terms of the ability for students and families to, to continue to manage. And we need to be in tune with that and adjust to what the reality is at home as well. Uh, as you say, I mean, it's still very early in the process. Uh, what have you in the district learned in case that something like this ever happens? You know, there's talk there might be a second wave uh, in the fall of this, uh, God forbid. 
uh, but we might be having to resort to these sort of situations again. Is the school district and you had time really to reflect on what's happened so far and maybe how uh, it could be done better in the future? Or is it kind of too early for that? Are you still just kind of day to day kind of getting by with it? Well, I, you know, I think it's fair to say we're still in it mm-hmm. and and uh, adjusting to these early stages. Uh, however, we are mindful of some future planning because we know that this is not going to simply be a matter of a few weeks. And uh, while we can certainly hope to return to some kind of normalcy and, and regular attendance in the near future, uh, we know that that could be different. There could be other waves. There could be sort of staggered types of, of models that come out when it comes to attendance and schooling. So it's really too early to speculate on that. But I guess we're definitely all learning about uh, proper personal hygiene practices mm-hmm. and, and washing of hands. And I think all that needs to carry forward. We'll also try and, you know, take the, the kernels of creativity and, and connection that have been happening right from day one here and uh, see what we can continue in, in a variety of ways into the future, regardless of, of what happens. Absolutely. All right, Stephen, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for connecting. All right. Again, that's Stephen Petrucci, the superintendent of School District 60. We'll be right back on Moose Talks to talk with Jessica Coleman right after this. At FSG Return It, we're practicing social distancing, so we've adjusted our hours to help keep our staff and you safe during this pandemic. We're open Monday to Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., closed Sundays and holidays. Sorting tables are closed at 3.30 p.m. Check us out at FSG Return It on Facebook. We are here for you. Safely return your beverage containers into FSJ Return It. It just makes sense. Located on 10104 93rd Avenue in Fort St. John. Forget the staining and sealing this spring. Windsor Plywood has a better idea for that deck. Hi, Richard here from Windsor Plywood, where we have True North Composite Decking on sale for just $2.87 per lineal foot. It's PVC produced and made from rice hull. Comes with a 25-year warranty and easy-to-install clips. Choose from Amazon Grey or Tigerwood. And for estimating on everything from joists to fasteners to hangers, see the experts at Windsor Plywood, Talton Road, behind Rudy's Truck Wash. Hi, this is Ted with Pim's Production Equipment. Do you work in a shop with one of those really noisy air compressors? Tell your boss to look into a quiet and efficient screw compressor. Tell him to come down to Pim's and have a look at one of those super quiet and efficient LG compressors. You can tell her that they are surprisingly inexpensive, and she'll save a bunch of money in power and earplugs. The LG compressors are so quiet, you could even have a pleasant conversation with your boss. Come in and see LG compressors at Pim's right next to McDonald's in Fort St. John. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. We're joined now by Jessica Kalman, the executive director of the Fort St. John Literacy, Literacy Society. How's it going today, Jessica? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm sorry uh, for saying your name wrong all those times so far on this show, but we've That's got okay. it right now. Uh, so I'm having you on to talk today a bit about, first of all, what you guys do at the Fort St. John Literacy Society, uh, for people who don't know, and to talk a bit about the Imagination Library Program, which has been going for, uh, I can't remember offhand, but like a year and a bit or a couple of years here in Fort St. John, and how uh, you're running out of funding, you're in need of new funding uh, for that. So we'll get to that in just a minute. 
why don't we start with what the literacy program, or pardon me, the Literacy Society does here in Fort St. John. What do you guys do? For sure. So we have programs that focus on enhancing literacy um, in our community. So unfortunately, due to the current situation, we have had to suspend all of our face-to-face programs. However, um, once we're able to get back going again, um, we have a nutritional program that teaches the importance of nutrition as well as home budgeting for purchasing healthy nutritious foods. We have a financial literacy program, um, an after-school homework help program, one-on-one tutoring, as well as a formal English as a second language classroom. So lots of different programs. If you had to just stop any of them because of this, or have you just changed how you're delivering it because, as you say, because of the uh, social distancing rules? Yeah, our classes are being offered online still. We're able to do Zoom classes. Unfortunately, the um, nutritional, financial, and after-school homework program are currently suspended because they are one-on-one and very much based Mm -hmm. on drop-in. So that's unfortunate. We are trying to work around it to see if we can come up with any new and creative ways of offering it digitally. We just haven't quite got there yet. Okay. Now, on top of all that, you've been offering uh, this sort of imagination library program for the past two years or so. Tell me a bit about that. What is that? Yeah, so this is a um, a phenomenal program, actually. Dolly Parton started it. It's called Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Um, So what this program does is it gets a a local affiliate, which the Fort St. John Literacy Society has signed up to be. Um, And then we can enroll children in our catchment area, and they can receive a free high-quality book a month from birth until age five. Um, So the point of the program is to help increase early literacy skills. Um, It helps social-emotional connection skills. It encourages parents, family members, and caregivers to help share the stories with them. Um, So really the idea is that it's starting the children to write words, look at the pictures, um, sit down and share the stories, and and increase the getting ready for kindergarten. I see. Now, I'll be, I'll admit that my family and my daughter are enrolled in this program. It's wonderful. We were enrolled in it when we were still living in Shetland, uh, so we've been in it for a while now. Uh, it's very cool because each country kind of has its own sort of books that it puts out. It's not like a one-size-fits-all that Dolly Parton just makes all her own decisions from the United States. If you're in the UK, if you're in Canada, if you happen to be the United States, there's different books on offer and and books that speak to Canadians who are reading them. Uh, How did this end up on your radar? Did they reach out to the Literacy Society, or was this something someone saw and said, hey, we should get Fort St. John signed up for this? Yeah, I actually um, was looking at different literacy programs across the province and across the country, and this one came up. It's traditionally a program that Rotary Societies offer. Mm -hmm. Um, However, since there wasn't one in Fort St. John and we had some funding come through, we were able to launch it here in the community. So that was very excellent. Um, The books are chosen by a panel of professionals. So like you said, they are taking into consideration culture, arts and history. Um, They are age appropriate. So younger children will get the board books while the older ones will get paper pages. So it's just a very cool program that we're hoping to teach our community. Absolutely. And uh, I believe it's open to everybody as long as their kid is under five, correct? 
Yes, it's open to everyone. We do have a catchment area, so as long as they're within that within that region, we cover Fort St. John um, and the immediate surrounding areas. Okay, well, that's good to know. Now, uh, it came up recently. There was a story about it at energeticcity.ca last week sometime. Uh, the program needs more funding to go forward. You've kind of run out uh, of it uh, coming up very soon here. What's that about? What, where are you looking for funding from? Like, who needs to step up in this case? Yeah, so we're looking from funding from either corporate sponsors, individual sponsors. I mean, every dollar helps. Just to give a, a little bit of perspective, um, this program, it costs about three seventy-five, three seventy-five a child per month. Um, and we ha- currently have 827 children enrolled. So. Wow. Our operating costs monthly are about $3,000. So we've been very thankful to our sponsors so far. Um, BC Hydro, Pembina Pipeline, ConocoPhillips, and Microtel by Wyndham have all provided substantial donations to the program. However, we're now at a point where we are running out of funding. Um, We have enough funds in our program for one more month. So it will run the first couple weeks of May. Um, And then we unfortunately do have to suspend if we don't have funds coming through. I see. Now, you, we had talked on the phone a bit about this. I mean, you have grant kind of funding that, that is possibly available that might get us through, uh, you know, kind of get you restarted eventually. Um, but, I mean, what happens if the funding runs out? Does that mean the program ends for all the people on it, or you just can't sign up new members? Yeah, so what we've done right now is we're not signing up new members because of the funding limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what would happen is the program would be suspended. All of the children enrolled would continue to stay enrolled unless uh, until the point that we either reactivate it or transfer our account to a, another affiliate should they have funding roll through. Okay, so if you already are signed up the program, even if the funding runs out for a, a little while, You'll still be in the program. You just won't get books for a few months or however it happens to be, I guess. That's correct, yeah. Uh, So if you're interested, if you happen to be a corporate sponsor listening to this or an individual and you've got some means, uh, what can we do? How can we get in contact with you and say, hey, we'd like to help out in some way to kind of bring this funding level back up to where it needs to be so that the program can continue? Absolutely. Um, So donations can be made on our website through Canada Helps. There's a a large Donate Now button on our website, www.fsjliteracy.ca. And there is a specific fund you can choose specifically for the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Mm -hmm. Um, I am working from home, so I'm not at the office. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me to discuss potential funding and sponsorship opportunities, uh, I can be reached at 250-271-0811. Excellent. Okay. Well, if you're working somewhere, uh, it's a, it's kind of a tough time for this because everybody's kind of rolling back. Absolutely. But but if you're like me and you're in this program or you think it's a great idea and I, I think it's a wonderful idea in this, uh, uh, community to have this for people, uh, Ask your bosses. Yeah. See if they've got a bit of money that yeah. they're looking to maybe donate and uh, hopefully you can get this uh, program yeah. running again. Jessica, thank you yeah. so much for stopping by to tell us a bit about this today. And we'll thank keep you. in touch and uh, hopefully uh, you'll have some good news for us shortly. Thank you so much. All right. That's Jessica Kalman, the executive director of the Fort St. John Literacy Society. We'll be right back on Moose Talks to wrap things up right after this. If you're looking for furnished accommodations in the Peace Country, there are more options than you think. Hi, I'm Wanda from Action Property Management. We have a great lineup of fully furnished rentals. 
There's lots of inventory to choose from and more on the way. So come see us to learn more and maybe find a space that's perfect for your business. Action Property Management, serving Fort St. John, Taylor, and Dawson Creek. Check us out on Facebook or visit actionproperty.ca. During this time, Peace Country Delight Coffee wants to make sure you stay topped up. To protect you and our staff, Peace Country Delight Coffee has changed their hours. We'll remain open for front door pickup only from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Thursday. Plus, they're offering free delivery to your business or home within city limits. So you can still enjoy the fresh aroma of assorted coffee to start your day. Call and place your order today at 250 If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit PRIS.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. This sports booster is brought to you by Olive Tree Mediterranean Grill, located on 100th Street. Ask them about catering your next event. Mediterranean cuisine is all homemade to perfection. This sports booster is brought to you by First Choice Towing. For all your towing needs, lockouts, boosters, tows, they do it all 24-7. Call 250-785-2271. You can count on First Choice Towing for all your towing needs. Looking for more power out of your pedal? Here at SS Automotive, we have a large inventory of diesel enhancement products, including throttle sensitivity, boosters, tuners, custom programs, and even major components like engines and transmission. We have everything your diesel might need. Call SS Automotive today. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks to our guest today on Moose Talks, Stephen Petrucci, the superintendent of School District 60, Peace River North, and Jessica Kalman, the executive director of the Fort St. John Literacy Society. If you missed parts of this episode or you'd like to see the whole thing again, you can uh, see it uh, available to watch again very shortly on the Moose FM and EnergeticCity.ca Facebook pages and on the EnergeticCity.ca YouTube page as well. Moose Talks is produced by Adam Rayburn. I'm Dub Craig. We'll be back next Friday morning at 10 o'clock for more Local Matters. Till then, be well. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. You're all alone at a party. You want to dance with somebody, but you ain't got a clue how to ask. You and your girl had a fight, and now she's saying goodbye. She ran upstairs and packed her bags. It could be raining on your perfect vacation. You could be stressed about your work situation. Ain't got to listen to me, but all I'm saying Ain't nothing that a bitch can't fix Ain't no pain it can't wash away From the moment that it hits your lips Makes those clouds look a little less gray Oh, you could be lonely Or heartbroken Or hungover from the night before Turn that frown into a smile real quick It's hot and all that you're getting is a little nibble here and there. 
Losing that championship ring And you're feeling like life ain't fair It could be raining on your perfect vacation You could be stressed about your work situation Ain't nothing that a beer can fix
your mind? Do you think that she can ever wishes it could be a young egg again? Text us on the LodgeLink.com text line, 250-800-2360. Connect with Fort St. John. This is Moose FM. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.